What's up, everyone? Welcome back to The Neighborhood. If you're a new listener, thanks so much for checking out the podcast. If you're a returning listener, thank you so much for your support. It means a lot. Today, my sister Aubrey is joining the show, and we're going to talk about the games that defined our childhoods. Welcome to the podcast where two longtime friends and sometimes a guest talk about their favorite games from the perspective of an average player. My name is Andrew Kimball. And I'm Dylan Wren. And we are your friendly neighborhood gamers. So like I said... Uh, Aubrey is joining me on this episode. How you doing, Aubrey? I am doing quite well. Hello. It's always good to be back in the neighborhood. Yeah, so Dylan could not make it to this episode, so I called in, um, I don't know, what did Braden call you? Like second string, his third, his third or fourth string? I can't, I can't remember how he phrased yeah, it. Yeah, and then I think he went into like A, B, C, D tier on some of it. Oh, yeah, he, he may have tier listed it instead, but yeah. He was he was like i am i've been on like four episodes of level playing field i'm a c tier guest (laughs) it's like okay good job yeah so uh like i said starting out this episode we're gonna be taking a trip down memory lane talking about games from our childhoods and kind of uh what defined that era what kind of brought that hobby into our lives and then cultivated into something that it's just always kind of stuck around. Uh, seemed like a good opportunity with siblings on the podcast to kind of dive back into our experiences that are probably mostly shared, but it'd be interesting to see if they, if and where they deviate and where that overlap is and stuff like that. But before we dive into that proper though, just to get you back in the podcasting flow of things, I figured I'd lob an easy question at you and just ask what you've been playing lately. Oh my goodness. Oh, let me think Baldur's Gate 3. <laughs> like, Yeah, that's a, it's a good, a good time sink. Yes. How's, yeah. how's that going? <laughs> uh, it's going pretty well. Uh, Joe and I had started a Divinity Original Sin 2 playthrough about a year ago and would just, you know, play whenever we had the opportunity. So when Baldur's Gate was announced and everything came out about it and people were talking about it, we'd already been playing Alarian Studios game. They're actually quite fun, deeply expansive. I didn't think like a CRPG would be something I would be really into, but you know, we've got our D&D group and I've gotten really into D&D lately. So Baldur's Gate 3 was just like such a natural fit. So we started a co-op playthrough and that was pretty fun. But Joe games way more than I do, and so he pretty quickly created a solo playthrough. <laughs> and then he also, you know, scheduling worked out in like such a way that I was like, okay, well, I'm going to start my solo playthrough, and that game is so much more fun by yourself. <laughs> yeah. It's not built super well for a co-op experience because, and especially with the two of us, we would just split up constantly. So then you just have like a party of two essentially running around and doing everything. And the game balances out pretty decently. But like I found Raphael like entirely on my own. And I like 
we're both playing on PCs and our backs are facing each other. So like I turned around and was like, hey, I found this like demon and he's off. Like he's an avenue to get rid of our tadpoles if, you know, that's something we want to do. It's pretty crazy. But he was in the middle of like circling back to the goblin camp and clearing it out and doing stuff there. So like two weeks later, he was like, did you bump into that demon thing? I'm like, yes, I very explicitly told you about the demon as it was happening. But yeah. So even like trying to make a point to point out when plot stuff is happening to each other or trying to tune in on the cutscenes that are happening, it still just doesn't work super well. So it's been a lot more fun. I've been able to speed through a lot of stuff that I didn't find interesting and like dig deeper into stuff that I did find interesting and doing just a different play style, which for our co-op playthrough, Joe was playing as a monk, which was pretty handy. I don't think there's one in the party. So I'm missing that a little bit, but not like too terribly. I also started a Tomb Raider replay. Started um back with the one back in 2013. I don't know if I'm going to go through the whole trilogy or not. I enjoyed all of them. And so if I like sink back into it, it may be fun. But that is that first one especially is kind of a creepy game. Mm. <laughs> it's kind of creepy and atmospheric and great sound design, but it's it's enough to make me like playing this in a totally silent empty house like um so it's it's a little spooky but i think i'm i'm chug-a-lugging through that pretty quickly yeah each one after that kind of got less and less yeah of that vibe more and more of like Shifting the adventure game yeah. yeah going back to Baldur's gate three for a second mm-hmm. who's the character on like the cover art in the very front it's like a a dude with the vampire Astarian? I, I think so. And the reason I ask is because I have not met him. <laughs> and you're not gonna now. Nope. Where are you? I'm in the the uh what do they call it? The underdark or whatever. I guess you could maybe fast travel to where you find him, but no, you're supposed to pick him up poking around the ruins of the ship. Mm. Like he's on the opposite side of the ship from Gale. I mean, I yeah, I haven't left I just because I just finished that down there or I I got to where I felt like I was finished with it because I honestly hate that area. I don't like the the layout. I don't like I don't like underdark kind of poisony forest areas in games and stuff. So I was like, it's not super fun. How do I leave here and move on? And then when I got to the like the elevator that takes you to act two, the game was like, hey. For the level your party's at, the game's gonna be really hard if you if you move on. <laughs> so I was like, well, I guess go I'll go back and do more things. Go back and do like some side questy stuff. So I can go back and poke around the the crash ship and see. Mm-hmm. Okay. But well then yeah, you you can get him. I remember hearing about him a lot, like people talking about him when the game first came out. And then I realized as I was booting up the game the other day that He's in the cover art, and I I have not found him. <laughs> you have not gotten him. I I have no experience with him whatsoever, and I'm already I don't know fifteen to twenty hours in the game probably. Yeah, when we scooped him up, he was like he was pretty quickly the one I had stick with me for Joe and I's playthrough. I rolled a tempest cleric, which is pretty fun because I'd been toying with one in our D and D campaign and just couldn't. I can't play as a different character every week in our D&D campaign. So I was like, well, you know, let that urge out here. 
But then also a cleric is just a kind of a great all-around class. So then Joe was mostly running around with Shadowheart. Yeah. So he would have like a healer with him. Oh, yeah, and that's so, why. Oh, yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> um, <laughs> but then, so I had a Starion for a lot of it. And then we got through the goblin camp before following the quest to get Karlak. Mm. And then once I got her, I was like, yes, give me the giant berserker tiefling lady like that is every D character that i play so yeah who's literally on fire yeah 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 she's pretty cool she's been in my party my party has been like the girl squad except for me because i've had lizelle Shadowheart, and carlac and then mm-hmm. my character who's a fighter so i mean they're just generally good vibes like lizelle's a bit hardcore but i think she is like she'll be an interesting character if you can like I think get the plot development with her. I think there's stuff there to be mined. I've heard good things about her storyline. So yeah, I like how much she is who she is. Like, yeah, it's very, she could be called one note maybe, but it's very, that is, that is her. And she's not, she is sure she's committed. Yeah. Yeah. So it's been, it's been fun. I really have kind of not I guess slowed down would be the right term just because I don't really vibe with that zone that I've been in. But now I think that I'm going back to clean up side stuff. Like I want to pursue Shadow Hearts specific quest and mm-hmm. stuff like that. I think I'll get back into it a little bit deeper. I I had already pretty much decided that this is going to be like my forever game or at least yeah. <laughs> my over the next however many months, I'm going to just kind of chip away at it. It's not going to be one that I just... Like play yeah, you're not going like to try and like Man. golden path and get to the end and figure out what it is. It's exactly. Dig around, get in pockets, explore, find all of the side characters. <laughs> maybe, maybe not. I've also kind of, wa- I've want this playthrough to just be like relatively blind unless I get stuck on something for too long and I'm annoyed. Mm-hmm. I don't really want to like look up how many side companions are there. Where, where are they? How do you max yeah. out your loyalty with them blah 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 it's like for this i'm just gonna go through blind i'm gonna commit to one romance option i'm gonna follow the quests where they lead me and Mm -hmm. because i mean i kind of had i don't really want to spoil anything because i do kind of want to do a full episode on this game at some point but like in the the kind of climax of that area down there with like the underground dwarves or whatever Mm -hmm. that all kind of fell apart for me and so i was like well this is just how it is. This is just this is just the way yeah. that it, it happens in this playthrough, and I just proceeded. So it's it's been mm-hmm. fun. I've I've been enjoying it. I if I had I've been uh, save scumming like an asshole. I do I do save scum mostly for combat, mm-hmm. not so much for like, like choices I made. Yeah, yeah, I don't really do it so much for like choices or or you know big situations like this that fell apart. I mostly do it for like I, I went into the a combat encounter with the like sirens that you can find right outside the druids camp. I don't oh know yeah. Yeah. The harpies. Them. Yeah. I went into that combat encounter with like two companions and just kept wiping. <laughs> so mm-hmm. I would save for stuff like that, but yeah, well, Joe and I did a, like a pretty honest playthrough like that for we've gotten through the underdark in our co-op and then got to the, like, Hey, you're about to enter act two wrap up and we like stopped there for the night and haven't picked it back up with the two of us and probably won't but (laughs) having done that and gotten that far 
I feel kind of absolved of like playing through honestly a little mm. bit. Like maybe when I get to act two, I'll be like, no, this is this is my playthrough. This is what it is. It's whatever. But like the kid died to the harpies. So, you know, that's just how it was. So when I did it on my own, I was like, you know what? No. I like what what is the outcome if the kid survives? So let me go into this with a little more thought and like it was a very minor change. Yeah. Yeah. Some of that stuff. I mean, in a game with so many choices, not all of them are gonna be super impactful, but mm-hmm. I mean, this isn't Mass Effect where <laughs> every choice you make determines the end, which I totally didn't start a new game plus playthrough of Andromeda. That's not something I would do. <laughs> You need help. <laughs> <laughs> they announced, but they didn't announce anything. They released a trailer for N7 Day. A trailer for what? For the day? I don't know. For a new game? It, it possibly, probably. I mean, like, year before last at the Game Awards, they were like, yeah, we have an abandoned Mass Effect. Here's a clip with Liara. And then, I don't know what they did, like, last year, or maybe that was last year. I don't know. But this year, it was, you know, clues that the fans have to piece together for N7 Day, and it reveals a trailer. And it's just somebody in this, like, long black coat with a helmet on, so you can't see anything. Androgynously built, can't really tell anything about them. And they've got, like, an N7 on their <laughs> on their coat and, like, a gun. And then it just ends. Like, there's no info. There's no coming soon. There's no... Like, there's nothing. It's literally like, guys, Mass Effect, right? (laughs) Yeah. Well, and they still have to get Dragon Age out. That's their next Mm -hmm. game. And And I think they just had some layoffs. Like, yeah, that's been Dragon Age has been in the works for a long time and has had its fair share of problems Mm -hmm. and whatnot. And then, yeah, I don't know. So I wouldn't expect Mass Effect anytime soon, but. We'll see. I'll be shocked if we get it by the end of the decade, honestly. Yeah. In the next seven years? Yeah. I mean, who knows? It's, yeah. I, Dragon Age, the last Dragon Age came out in 2014, somewhere in there. I feel like 14, but maybe So it'll be 16, like 10 years. I think it's 14, yeah. <laughs> Between Dragon Age games, so yeah, I mean. And I'm fine with a game taking that long if it needs to take that long, but this also feels like this is not no. well thought out at all. So and then we'll there's a larger conversation about just like the time commitment and cost of games and stuff for what we get. I mean, but that's that's a whole nother <laughs> that's conversation. That's not the topic of tonight's episode. <laughs> yeah. Are you are you ready to move into our topic for this episode? Yes. All right. Well, let's go ahead and roll on into it. So, like I said at the top, we are going back to chat about games that were either important to us or influential or just have lived in our our memories from childhood. Most of these, if not all of them that we have on this list, I think are like good memories and like 
I would look back fondly on these. I don't think I really put any games down where it was like, oh yeah, I did play that and it was terrible and it taught me why I don't like this kind of game or whatever. But <laughs> And I hated it with my whole heart. Yeah, I think most, most of this is going to be pretty positive, but uh, I figured I would throw it to you to just pick a starting point on this list. Like, where do you want to dive in? Well, starting at the beginning makes sense. So we can talk more about the like educational stuff, you know, educational CD-ROMs versus actual like console, like game games that we started playing. Yeah. Well, and along with the uh, educational, so we have, you know, all the kind of point and click adventure type mm-hmm. preschool games. But yeah. I also have just a collection of fuzzy memories of playing just weird games on dad's computer. You know, like there oh, was yeah. the demo for episode one racer, which that was a little bit later in life. But then there was like, I think I played the first level of the original Tomb Raider. I played the first level yep, of some Doom clone Star Wars game. Oh, yeah. I had forgotten about that. Yeah, like a, a Starfighter well, there was the Doom clone, but then there was also like a He had like a X-Wing TIE versus game. TIE Fighter. Uh, we played that a lot. And then there was this game where you played as like a Velociraptor with a mm-hmm. jetpack or something. Yes. No I idea what that recently. was. Because I, <laughs> I dug out our grandma's old uh, iMac. Macintosh, yeah. Her Macintosh computer, the big green jelly thing. Yeah. And it had the demo for that dinosaur game on it, but it didn't run. I don't know if it needs a disc to run. Yeah. And I can't, I'm sure it has an outrageous game or an outrageous name, but I can't, I can't summon it. Dad also had like a golf game on the, on the home computer. I remember playing that. There was a a game where you were a deer hunting people, I think. (laughs) I don't remember that. It was like that. I feel like I played it and then mom realized I had played it and yelled at dad because it was very like not quite adult swim, but like, you know, the deer had like a deer girlfriend who probably had like breasts and then weird, ridiculous. The hunter killed the deer girlfriend. And so then the deer like went on a rampage, rampage. killing. No, you you must have accidentally accessed that before I gained consciousness because I. (laughs) Yeah, this is like way back in in New Mexico. I can remember Mm -hmm. playing it a little bit. I wonder what that game was. I'll have to to look into that. That does remind me we had some sort of like we had some kind of hunting game. I can't remember if it was on. Yeah, it was just like a big hunter or big game hunter. Yeah, big game hunter or something. Kind of game, yeah, where you shoot the, but, deer, you know, shoot our, the bear. But you know, our dad's been a member of the NRA since it was actually about hunting <laughs> and right. rifles. Yeah, so educational stuff like Reader Rabbit. I have distinct memories of this like one Pink Panther counting game. Mm. Uh, the Tonka game. Yeah, I played Finish that Finish one, one job before you start another. Mm-hmm. And that one I actually went and dug out. Oh, Amazon Trail. We didn't play Oregon Trail like all the other kids. We <laughs> yeah, played no, we Amazon, Amazon Trail. Version. Not well, <laughs> We went mind down you. the river. Yeah. Oh, and we had those like encyclopedia games that would take forever to load. Yeah. And it's like I a castle. Vaguely remember that. Yeah, they never really It wasn't very, very fun. Well. Yeah. Um, but Hades Challenge beat that one a couple times. That one was pretty fun. Even as kids. Yeah. Um. 
based on the like Disney most, movie Hades. Yeah. Or, or other Hercules. than Yeah. <laughs> Nothing to do with the super giant Hades. No. Totally different Hades challenge. But like uh yeah, like that was one of the first ones that like got all the way through to the end. Cause before then it was like demos of things, or I remember like the Wishbone Odyssey game. Yeah. Like kind of educational one. Like I had the Barbie as Rapunzel like storybook game. But like looking back on that, like I've looked up YouTube videos of people playing through it and they play through it and click on literally everything once and the video is like 26 minutes long. Like, yeah, I was like, how annoying must I have been just like logging what felt like hours on that clicking on the same (laughs) producing the same noises? Yeah, there's a reason the computer was in another room. I beat the Wishbone game and I beat the Tonka game a few times probably, but some of them, it was like, I never got all the way through. Yeah. I feel like I got to the end of the Tonka game a few times. The reader rabbit. One of us beat at least once. Yeah. But that, that game is like meant to teach you counting and spelling. And so it is heavily repetitious. Like when I dug out mom or Nama's old computer I went on eBay and bought a few of these because you've got a child of educational game age and they're like $4 on eBay. And I I busted out Reader Rabbit and I'm like, this game is the slog. <laughs> oh my gosh. How many times do I have to count the counting snakes? Like the ABC yeah. Diner is not so funny the 400th time that you experience <laughs> it. Yeah. I think kind of from that educational adventure game genre as we got a little bit older it kind of transitioned into that was when majesty entered our mm-hmm. lives and stronghold crusader those were the yep. two big ones the big like pc kind of strategy games we played i i dabbled in some like age of empires and I don't think I played Civ back then. I remember dad was really into Civ when we were kids for a little while, but yeah, that was always too dense for me. Yeah, it was, it was mostly just a lot of majesty and a lot of stronghold crusader. I think majesty came first, which was kind of a a good introduction into that genre. Cause in some ways it's a lot simpler because there's way less micromanaging so it is just kind of like yes. build up your stuff and try to make your people strong. And that's about it. That's all you can do. Whereas, you know, in like mm-hmm. Crusader, you're literally building, you're designing castles and deciding if you want to have like horseback archers or ground archers and which faction you want to use. And there's like different terrain where they, they navigate differently and you're having to manage resources where, you know, one map might have a ton of stone and no no real like iron and so you have to account for that or it could be vice versa yeah yeah so it's a much more traditional kind of uh sim game in that sense whereas majesty a game that has been brought up and talked about a lot (laughs) on our content and we did a a full majesty deep dive episode with eric on the unlockables podcast if you want to go check that out but nice it was a uh a much simpler game and we played the demo until we had that demo like memorized. So by the time we finally got the game, it was like, okay, I understand 
the core really well. Now I can build out from there. Yeah. Oh man. When we got the full version of the game and they're like, what do you mean I can have more than just archers, warriors, and hovels? Like, yeah, there the wasn't actual, much like, else. Like, well, the wizards, but like the actual like magic casters and the, you know, the fawns. And that's, that's another one that like is embedded so deep in the subconscious of my brain that will just come out my mouth sometimes. <laughs> like, now where did I put my spell book? Yeah. Like, just, I didn't, like, I, why that will probably remain until the day I die, I don't know, but my grandkids are going to have to play Majesty, so when I start losing my mind, they understand <laughs> what I'm saying <laughs> and what I'm going for. One thing I did like about Stronghold Crusader is they had maps that were not combat-focused. Yeah. Because even right. like pretty early on, that was less interesting for me. I always... I was like, I kind of just want to like sandbox this and see how much I can develop, how big of a world, like what I can do. And so I distinctly remember one where it's like an island. And so there's not much like stone production. You have to really like lean deep into the farming. Yeah. You also have to like get mercenaries because there's not an opponent, but there are lions on the island. Yeah. There's wildlife that could attack you. Mm hmm. And like not many, like they're pretty easy to clear out. You could almost do it with just your like king character and his battle axe or whatever he had. But that was, I sunk more time into that specific level than I probably did all other levels combined. <laughs> they also just had like castle builder where you just had unlimited resources and could design what whatever ridiculous castle you wanted. That game, we managed to jump through the like 15,000 hoops that existed to actually play it with each other like locally multiplayer i don't mm -hmm. we had to use some sort of third party application and i think this was a little bit later in life but still it was so janky to be able to play with friends but it was really fun once we got it working i did not understand how it worked uh dad had to set all that up for me but once it was working it was fun yep and then i remember playing Super Mario Brothers on somebody's Nintendo while we were still in New Mexico. And then Super Mario moved, uh Super Mario World, I think. Yeah, it had the I remember it had the Yoshi, like yeah. that level that That was the Davidsons. We could, is it the Davidsons? I thought it was the people who lived across from them. No. <laughs> I remember the people across from them, they may have had some games and stuff, but th that was the guy who worked for Disney or worked. Yeah, I think he worked for Disney, mm -hmm. like animation, like he was an animator. So they had like a lot of movies and stuff. Yeah, he got us that <laughs> that not for commercial sale copy of Muppet Treasure Island. Oh, yeah. And then the Davidsons had a Super Nintendo and they had Super Mario World. And then across the street, like towards the other side of the street, there was a family that I sort of knew that I like went to their house a couple times and that was where I played Mortal Kombat <laughs> and I think oh, no. <laughs> I think mom and dad oh, were like yeah you don't no. need to go over to their house no you can play out with them outside and I was like oh okay one of those it was like a legit neighborhood which mm -hmm. is kind yeah, of proper suburbia yeah it doesn't we don't really have that here anymore so mm -mm. but I think no. it, it was around when it was, I was like 
10 ish, 11, somewhere in there when I got my GameCube for Christmas. Yeah. And that was a, that was a big transition in gaming for us away from more educational or stuff our dad was interested in. Yeah. Or games we played at friends' houses like Caleb, Mm -hmm. their family had all the games. We play stuff there and some other friends and stuff like that. But, and then, um, my uncle who ran a video store would let me borrow his N6, like borrow an N64 in games whenever I wanted to, but it still was not like mine. Yeah. And I remember you borrowed a PlayStation at one point. Yeah. And played a Spider-Man game on it. Yeah. Probably. That was like right when we moved and we were still in that hotel. Yeah. The OG. I don't know if it's the OG, but like I think of it as the OG Spider-Man game. Yeah. you, Man, that I've. Didn't even really remember that, but now it's kind of coming back to me. Yeah, deep cut, right? So all that to say, like, we didn't really have our own games in the house. We had Game Boy Colors um, and and Mm -hmm. some handhelds and stuff. But then when I turned whatever age that was, somewhere around 10 or 11, I think, um, I got a GameCube. And yeah, that it was Christmas morning. I got a GameCube and it came with Lord of the Rings, Return of the King, Pac-Man World 2, and it came with, I want to say, Super Mario Sunshine. There was one. I think I got three games. It was either that or a Zelda game. I don't. I don't know. I don't think it was Wind Waker. I think it was Mario. Ew. Did it? I, I, I remember us playing the demo of Super Mario Sunshine at like Sam's Club. No, it wasn't. It was even better than that. It was Circuit City. What? <laughs> Really? Yeah, I remember playing it at a Circuit City. It may have been at Sam's Club like, too, but I, I feel like they also had it at Sam's yeah. Club. I feel like I remember playing. But it I remember seeing. But like, it I mean, you could Circuit also City. play it at like Blockbuster, which also <laughs> no longer exists. Yeah, so maybe it wasn't. So I feel, I'd have to look I feel at like the Sunshine dates. came later, but maybe I only got two games that morning. Either way, it was a amazing Christmas for me. I pl- I remember yes. booting it up and playing Lord of the Rings basically all day long, like. I didn't mm-hmm. do anything else. And then surprisingly, yes, at least for us at the time, Pac-Man World 2 was a fun little 3D platformer mm-hmm. that I beat that game, I think, probably a couple times. And then and I made some decent progress into it. Yeah. And then, of course, Lord of the Rings, we've referenced that as well. But that was just yeah a game that had no right to like be as good as it was but it was also like good in really odd ways where it had like kind of mini bonus features either from the dvds or just for the game where you would like unlock these little interviews with the cast just had a sudden vivid recollection of maybe it was how they were like plotting out the scenes or the levels or something but the like white tree that would branch off i don't think it had like talent trees or anything did it like it wasn't like a true no RPG. yeah i kind I of feel remember like that's that. how you selected the level you played i think it was the levels yeah and then you'd select your character on in that like circular you'd like rotate mm-hmm. through all the characters yeah well and that was one that had co-op too right like i i re- feel like i remember playing that with you You could play two player local and it was a blast but some levels had a third character so we're like oh maybe you can play three player which you know looking back obviously that doesn't make sense. You can sometimes play three players in some levels. Yeah. But we tried it. It didn't work. That was the era of like, we'll just try it because 
where we don't have Let's the means to just look see. it up. Yeah. Yeah. And around that same time, I think we got the um, Game Boy Advances, which the yes. handholds was always kind of amusing to me to look back on and how we did that. Because like you and I both got Game Boy Pockets. Uh, were they Game Boy Colors? Game Boy Colors. And then the Game Boy Advance came out and you really wanted it. And so you got the Game Boy Advance. And then year and a half later when the Game Boy Advance SP came out, Brayden and I both got those. And then the DS came out and you got the DS. And it's such an oldest child story of you really wanting it. And so you had to pay for it with your own money. And then my middle child moment being like, well, they'll pay for half of mine and I have to pay for the <laughs> other half. And then for Brayden's birthday, they just would buy it for him. Yeah. And we would like, we'd rotate. So like you'd get the Game Boy Advance, we'd get the Game Boy Advance SP. You got the DS, we got the DS lights. And like, yeah, you always with that. had like, you had a longer wait for the thing, but then you got the better version of it. The, the slightly next generation. Yeah, it was like the half step. Yeah. And then I think by the time like the 3DS came out, you had gotten an Xbox at that point. And we're like, bye. Yeah. I'm playing shooters now. (laughs) I also had like a phone and stuff at that point, too, and was driving. You were also interested in girls. So, yeah. Well, I think a big thing for me was driving and like hitting that age. You just run out of opportunities to play handheld games. It's like if I'm home Mm -hmm. chilling, I'll play my console. But then if I have to go somewhere, like I'm responsible for getting there. And so it's like it used to be, oh, we're going to wherever to play the DS while we're driving there, play the Game Boy while we're driving there. And so, yeah, when you reach an age where you didn't have to be dragged along to everything. So you weren't sitting waiting for mom, doctor, mom's doctor's appointment. Yeah, exactly. It's important to note that we were homeschooled. And so we had more downtime than the average kid. True. True. We were not forced to sit in a classroom from eight until three. Yeah. The the handheld gaming was was good. There was a lot of games that I played on my DS. The Game Boy Advance I remember I played a lot, but like that's a lot fuzzier for me. There was a there was a Lord of the Rings game that I played on there that Which was I recently a lot of fun. Picked up at a secondhand uh bookstore. Have you played it? I have not played it. <laughs> I played the Tomb Raider game for the Game Boy Advance that I picked up that is something. Yeah. I I played a lot on my DS. DS was I played a ton of Mario Kart DS. That game like I was actually really good at that game online. I played I played the new Super Mario Bros game, the first one that came out in that style. Played that a lot. Played some Castlevania games. Mm-hmm. The big ones DS though I think. had a really good library. Yeah, I think the big ones for that era though were the Mega Man Battle Network games which mm-hmm. the were actually Game Boy Advance games so I played Battle Network 5 on my Game Boy Advance but then the DS version had both they did the Pokemon thing where you had the Proto Man copy and the Colonel copy and the uh, DS version combined them into one card so that was the one that I played all the time it also added like a few little voice lines and silly stuff like that and then I played the Star Force games, which were like, that was the next series in that style. And I thought those were, were a lot of fun. But the DS was also the introduction of Animal Crossing into yes. our lives. We played a ton yeah. of Wild World on the DS because 
what we all had it and that was when we were rebuilding our house after Katrina so it was just like yeah, so we were we were either at our grandparents house or in the FEMA trailer that we eventually got and so like there wasn't a spot to set up the GameCube right really like we could play it but that's playing it on the TV in our grandparents living room and grandpa had golf to watch so <laughs> and know. I respect that <laughs> I mean, they also, I think in like one of the rooms that I stayed in, they had that like teeny tiny little like 14 inch TV or something, but yeah, yeah. but also we just wanted to play Animal Crossing because it was this, it was very good. It was good. And for me, it was such a unique experience. I mean, I guess probably for all of us at the time, but just being a game that followed the real world clock and it wasn't about fighting or shooting or killing. It was just like about talking like totally to your neighbors and mm-hmm. pulling weeds like an and open-ended stuff. sandbox yes yeah. it was like minecraft before minecraft exactly and we would all because we all had it we could kind of because you could feel could you village hop and stuff like that or did we just like sit next to each other and be like look what yeah. i've got no that was that was pretty unique for wild world when it came out because it it came out originally on the gamecube in the u.s at least I want to say GameCube was its initial release, but it might have been on the Nintendo Famicom, which never made it to the U.S. But yeah, that was with the DS's ability to go online because you couldn't do online co-op on the GameCube. But with the Nintendo DS, you could access Wi-Fi and you could go online. Like I remember fully remotely going to like the Van Nuys Island and they all shared a profile. And that was scandalous to me when I went to their island. <laughs> Because they did not care about Animal Crossing the way that we did. No. And so we all had, like, we weren't, like, perfectly manicured, heavily detailed. Like, I've seen people go gangbusters and, like, download custom stuff. And we did get the action replay chip, but we never downloaded the mods like some people did to basically break their Wild World games. But, like, we were manicured and we planted stuff with purpose and did as much care and direction as wild world allowed us to and i i went to the van ices island one time and they had just stuff just dropped on the ground strewn about i think it was like during the winter so there was snow they had the worst snowman i'd ever seen like an (laughs) enormous head and a tiny like snowball sized body they had so many weeds. They had that rotten flower that would grow when you had too many weeds on your in your village for too long. And I was like, "Okay, this has been fun. I'm <laughs> leaving the ghetto now." Like, <laughs> and I never did it again. I was like, "Okay, so you." And I think Caleb even told me when I was like, "No, I want to come to your like village and see it and do it." I was like, "We don't play it all that often, but sure, I'll like pull it up and have it open and ready for you." I think he said that Emily played it a fair bit, which at that point, I think Emily was like little six, like yeah. f- almost Cadence's age. And so looking back on it, like, of course, it was a disaster. But it was just very much like, oh, you're you're not excited when KK Slider comes to your <laughs> village, huh? Oh, I bet you guys play with the clock, huh? Like, you're not uh, yeah. lamenting, missing, you know the store closing or something like that. Oh, I remember Brayden got so mad because you wouldn't tell him the like hair choices. And it was like 3000 bells to get your (laughs) hair cut. 
And the first time you got, you got the like he's brought the this big up before. store where you could get there, <laughs> where you could get the haircut. And I think you like he ended up with this like bright orange hair and like a bowl cut or something yeah, it was terrible. Like, a like pink it was bowl cut. It was such a bad haircut. And he was so mad. And then and like you you can't you have to wait a whole entire day. And not only that, you had to wait a whole entire day to go back and get the haircut. But he also had to convince you to let him back on your island. Well, I keep saying island, but like back in your town. Yeah. Because neither he nor I had that yet. Oh, right. Because, like, you had to get it, like, maxed up, and then you had to have someone from another, like, game come and play on it in order yeah. to unlock it. I remember there was one night where, like, me and a couple of my friends, we, they had characters on my game, and we started playing at, like, 9.30 at night or something. And so 30 minutes of into playing, everything just shuts down in the town. And so we literally just like fished all night because there was nothing else to do. <laughs> There's nothing else to do. Yeah. I I vividly remember going like in the evenings, especially on a, I think it was a Saturday night that KK Slider would come to the museum. And I figured out the trick pretty early on where I would fill my pockets with stuff. And so that he couldn't give me the like the burned track of whatever right. I had listened to. And so you could keep requesting songs. And so I would just like sit and listen to all my favorites and listen to stuff over again. And then when I was like, okay, fine, I would like eat one of the fruit and then listen to one last song and he'd give me the track and and it would move on. But it also made me super paranoid because when you got, I'm just talking about Wild World now, when you got to be like really good friends with one of the villagers, they would give you their picture and I remember having a moment where one was like, oh, hey, I want to tell you something and like coming to talk to you. And they'll do that when they give you your picture. And they're like, oh, I wanted to give you something like, you know, we're such good friends and blah, blah, blah. And my pockets were full. Mm. And they're like, oh, well, you can't hold it. Never mind. And I was like, no, <laughs> no. And it was like one of the wolves, which they were always my favorite because I've been, a, you know, I never had a horse girl phase. It's been dogs through and through. <laughs> and so to like have one of the wolves be like yeah like uh, you know you're gonna have like my little picture of my quote and this little testament to like what good friends we are and my pockets were full and from that day on it has just been a habit in every animal crossing game i always have one free slot in my inventory <laughs> <laughs> i was traumatized oh that's hilarious yeah I, did, I didn't even remember that they would give you pictures but i feel like i had alfonso the alligator's picture in my house. And I think like Twiggy, that little yellow bird is yeah, one of your favorites. That sounds familiar. I remember booting that game up again just on a whim after playing New Horizons and being like, God, this thing is ugly. <laughs> this is rough. It looks I know so their bad. heads are so big. <laughs> their bodies are so little. Yeah. And the, the colors are just terrible. so flat compared to like newer games but i mean at the time mm -hmm. it, it looked looked great you could just wear a t-shirt yeah yeah or a dress if you were a, if you were a little girl avatar it was yeah that was, but there, there's something about it just grabbed us it was perfect for us it was a good time and then you know kind of going back to the gamecube i i i guess the the line i draw for like the childhood is probably around like when the wii came out and then 
obviously getting into like Xbox 360 and stuff like that, that's kind of where yeah. it's like, ah, that's knocking on adulthood, I guess. So like the GameCube was, uh, was kind of like the heart of that childhood console gaming, even though we were, at least I was like preteen and getting into teenager years, but yeah, I mean, it was a pretty dramatic shift post Katrina in terms of responsibilities. And again, you could drive. So like, it then became more social gaming stuff online, the Xbox, like with the Wii, we got Wii Sports, and that was more like co-op type stuff. I think the Wii was very much a let's play together versus you and the console like sitting down and playing together. Like we had Smash Bros, but Yeah, and I did play a lot of Smash Bros, especially with Caleb and, and his siblings. Smash Brothers Melee was that was one of those big childhood games. Um and then when we did those local tournaments for a little bit, they had Project M, which was basically like Melee, but a little bit faster. So that was that was fun to get into. But the the GameCube was also the era of Soul Calibur 2, which mm-hmm. we played a lot of. That was like the first time I took to a game faster than you. I don't know if that's true. I don't. I can, can't confirm that. <laughs> well my habitual button mashing actually paid off (laughs) in a fighter game (laughs) in a fighting game like i could not beat you with someone like ivy who was more like technique based and you actually had to learn her movesets to have a good time but like talim yeah even with her terrible reach like she just had such a good suite of like just heavily repeatable mashy moves then my whole strategy was whack 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 grab whack 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 grab whack 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 grab yeah <laughs> you like yeah and then you'd pull out nightmare and then it was like okay well <laughs> yeah that, and so then i because he had the reach i couldn't get close right. to nightmare yeah that was uh I mean, looking back on it it's like should we have been playing that game i don't know <laughs> it was pretty violent and it definitely like moved the needle for i mean me going through the throes of puberty, but <laughs> it was rated T for teen and <laughs> Ivy was basically like naked. we didn't. <laughs> yeah, we didn't dare like because the X, the Xbox, the GameCube was still, you know, we didn't have our own TVs or anything. So it was in the living room where a parent could walk by at any time. And dad didn't care if you played as Ivy, but <laughs> mom cared. <laughs> yeah, it was Ivy. And then it was um Taki. Yeah, Taki, who was. In that skin she tight red. red outfit. Yeah, she was red, but she was naked. She was just painted. It was body paint. <laughs> yeah, she was naked. And bless that poor woman for being a just an incredible ninja with H cups. Yeah, like, and the jiggle physics. <laughs> I mean, good lord. And no support. Just got them out there. Like yeah. that. Like at least Ivy had the world's worst set of lingerie that shouldn't have supported her, but like there was some kind of support. Like Takis was the only like she was naked. Yep. Like the the nipples were defined. It was Yeah. Uh I was also definitely thinking about how she she needed some support. <laughs> oh yes. Well, you know, you you will never experience that. Yeah, hopefully not. Uh yeah. <laughs> yeah. the uh the other game we played a lot that was kind of like competitive and multiplayer was Star Fox Assault, which was kind of like Battlefield, 
but for little kids because you could yeah. and I say it was like Battlefield it was still only like max four people obviously especially at the time I don't even know if Battlefield had those shooter I think yeah yeah or was, you could be in third person maybe you could switch into first it was person primarily also. third person I think the sniper rifles would let you like sort of zoom in the scope or whatever but it lets you get in vehicles and it lets you be in a tank or a, an R wing or whatever. So that's the, the comparison I draw to battlefield felt really big and epic. It was kind of like halo too, in the sense that you picked up weapons and upgrades off the map. You didn't, you didn't like kit yourself out. And so you were always, it was always a race to get to like the best weapon or the weapon you wanted. And then, try to survive the longest so we had a lot of fun with that game yeah i really would love to see something new from the star fox franchise but it's i feel like it's been dormant for a very long time i had a star fox game on my ds that kind of same era as animal crossing that i really liked i played it a lot it was almost kind of like a strategy game you would like have to draw out the paths and stuff on your ds because you had to touch screen everything you had to use that stylus but as far as single player games on the gamecube this was the super mario sunshine i mentioned that earlier played that but this was the zelda box because you had wind waker and Twilight Princess. Both we had Twilight Princess for the GameCube. That was not and a, a re-release game for us. of Ocarina, Ocarina of Time. Yeah, I don't uh, really yeah, remember Ocarina playing that a ton, but I no, we didn't play it much. But the Van Ices did, and uh, we had a friend from church who also had it. I remember playing it. Yeah, after piano lessons and such. I definitely played Wind Waker multiple times, and I played Twilight Princess. Mm-hmm probably a couple times on the GameCube. And those are two games that I still think definitely hold up. I mean, I know there's oh, for sure. some like probably pacing and length issues, especially in Twilight Princess, but they... Uh, okay. <laughs> I mean, Don't hate on my one true love. It, People are coming back to it and going, maybe we were too harsh on Twilight Princess. Yeah, I mean, it's a Zelda game. They're all... I would say they're all good at the very least. So it's like when you're arguing about the difference between nines and tens, but mm-hmm. the those games got a lot of playtime on the GameCube because like you just mentioned, you love Twilight Princess. So you played that one quite a bit and we had like the player's guide and then mm-hmm. Wind Waker, I, I played it. that a bunch. So yeah, those those got a lot of... Yeah, Wind Waker, I didn't attempt a playthrough of until you had really pretty much beaten it. I think I just watched you play that. Mm -hmm. Which of the two of us, I am now much more likely to watch Let's Plays. (laughs) (laughs) Something so familiar about this. Um, But then when Twilight Princess came out, I was a little bit older. And like I said, I'm a dog girl. He was turning into a dog. I had to play it. So you would play it for a couple nights and then I would get my turn and you would like be like a dungeon ahead of me and you would like get through the dungeon and (laughs) I'm sure it was fascinating for our parents to watch. I can't wait to like have kids and watch them go through the same experience of you just like hop, 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 like go do the thing. And I'm like, hop, hop. (laughs) 
hop, go do the thing. Like I'd seen you do it. I knew what I needed to do. And I was like, yes, but I got to line it up and be sure. Like even, even just my memories of it, like I knew I was way more cautious, way slower. Like I did not have the, like the dexterity and dexterity and everything. Like I was, I was not as familiar with video games to that degree as you were. Like I could hold my own ish and a lot of the like competitive stuff like with soul caliber again button mashing worked for me the star fox game i would always play as crystal and i can't remember if she got like a boost to her shields or something along those yeah. lines or i think she got like an extra life it was health based or or shield something like that yeah and again occasionally i could take half of your lives like <laughs> i don't remember it ever being close on most things and so, yeah, I I distinctly remember watching you play Twilight Princess and going, oh, man, this is going to be rough. This was also when Sphinx and the Cursed Mummy entered our lives. Oh, so good. Was that like a PlayStation game that I feel like that came to us through the video store? It did. So when we were when we came down before we moved here and we stayed with Uncle George and Aunt Joan at their condo. They had just like a PS1 and a handful of games that might have been where the like Disney skateboarding game was too. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Our introduction to Simple Plan. Yeah, exactly. So I just was playing whatever they had and I booted up Sphinx and was like, wow, the vibes are pretty cool. Uh, and, you know, it's Egyptian. The main character gets a, like a laser sword. Um, the It's making me solve some some puzzles, you know, and I wasn't actively thinking about how it was a sort of a Zelda like and things like that at the time. I was like, Oh, it's just a cool game, but they didn't, I don't think they had a memory card or something. So it was one of those where like I replayed that oh. first area a couple of <laughs> times, yeah. but never really got further. And then when we got our GameCube, I don't know how, if I just looked it up or if I saw it in Walmart or what, but it was like, Oh, they have that game for GameCube. And so I got it and then was able to actually like play through. And that was one where we printed off, dad printed it off at work. He printed off the like <laughs> game facts mm-hmm. walkthrough because for a kid, some of that stuff was pretty unintuitive at the time. Mm-hmm. Going back to it, I played the uh, the Switch remaster that came out, she's oh, like five or so years ago at this point, but. I was able to kind of just breeze through the game now, but back then it was like, what do they want me to do to finally quit lumbering around this castle as this goofy, skinny prince guy? Like, I don't understand what I'm supposed to do to progress He's all this game. Hands and feet. <laughs> yeah. I thought someone was pulling into our driveway. That was the ice maker. Yeah. Well, and the tonal difference between Sphinx and the Cursed Mummy, like. Yeah. And the, it was almost like playing, it was a really cool experience because it was like you got two games in one because you had the more adventure mild platforming, sword swishing, got your shield, solving puzzles, get your projectiles kind of a thing. And then it was like a stealth platformer. Yeah, stealth. You sneak past the like bobbing eyes before they see the you. The little bobbing eye things. Yeah, so frustrating. There was a bug in that game where if you Whip saved you. at one section as the mummy, it would like nuke your save file that. or something. So it was like a whole level it wouldn't save on. 
Well, you know what would happen is you didn't oh, no, save. Oh, no, it was one of those You as the player, things. you chose not to save there because there was some game-breaking bug where if you saved in this dungeon as the mummy, it could like nuke your save or corrupt the file or whatever. So the walkthrough, I think, pointed that out for us and we never actually had to experience it. But I'm, I've since gone back or like read things about that because it came back up when I was playing the remaster. I was like, wasn't there something with this, this dungeon? And I like looked it up and found like some old forums and stuff where people were talking about how the mm-hmm. game like just broke on them. Gosh, what a, what a wild era in gaming. Yeah, for sure. You had to go to a forum and it was, it was a revolutionary thought to be like, Oh, maybe I can look this up online and there's a guide. Cause like, I mean, Nintendo was really cool for releasing their official guide beautifully formatted nicely detailed like explains a lot and then (laughs) there were the people who were like drawing out the logo with dashes and lines and hyphens and stuff yeah we must have finally gotten rid of that that printout but we had it for yeah a long time and i do believe that our copy of sphinx and the cursed mummy is sitting on my shelf nice I see it because we, that one we never got rid of Twilight Princess. I never let you take to GameStop. <laughs> I don't, it was definitely not my copy. Even way back then I was like, you spent so much money and you're taking it to GameStop and you're only getting $5 for it. We could be keeping it and playing it. And my t- my little hoarder heart was just like, why are you doing this? So when Joe got his GameCube, he picked up Goldeneye and like a Mario Party, but we still had Super Mario Sunshine, Sphinx and the Cursed Mummy, and Twilight Princess. I don't think he has a copy of Wind Waker. Mm. I recently found my GameCube. I was cleaning up my closet a few weeks ago. and was like, oh, what's in here? Oh, it's my GameCube. Interesting. <laughs> I don't know what I'm going <laughs> to do with that. Put it right back. Yeah. yeah. Back on the shelf. But uh, No, when... Uh, when Breath of the Wild came out, I started another Twilight Princess playthrough. <laughs> Did you ever play the Switch remaster of Sphinx? I think I started it and got most of the way through it and then put it down and didn't go back to it for months. And you were eventually like, hey, can I have my copy of that back, please? <laughs> yeah. And I'm pretty sure I, I returned that to you. Yeah, I think I have it. It it holds up pretty well. It's one of those games where you could tell the ending was rushed. Like I think they were running out of time or budget or both, and so it was like the last bit real really just kind of it just kind of ends, and you're like, oh, oh, okay. Yeah the the third act is a little loose. Yeah, and then it ends. It's like open ended. Like hey, he's still the cursed mummy. Like he didn't get his last canopic jar, so maybe see you in the sequel. A sequel. And then it didn't sell enough units, and yeah, that'll be some crazy rich person's like passion project to get Sphinx and the Cursed Mummy two made. Yeah, and it probably didn't sell that well on the remaster either. So, oh well, I'll just keep evangelizing it, and maybe people will check it out. But uh, I think it's in my wish list on Steam. Well, there you go. I don't know. I can. We can have a third copy of it floating around. And then you mentioned it. But it's kind of, I guess, where things started to change from childhood to like teenagerhood and then, you know, moving on out was social gaming. Um, the 
two real big ones that we did with friends and family for a long time were the band games, Guitar Hero, Rock Band, mm. all of those we played mm-hmm. a lot, a lot, a lot of those. Yeah, I played that hit the Wii. Yeah, I played Guitar Hero 3 a ton. And like I say me, like we all played it a little bit, but like that was my my baby. But then right after Guitar Hero 3 was then the band stuff blew up. And yeah, we played a bunch of rock band at Dylan's house with his family. And then I bought like every single Guitar Hero that ever existed for a while. And then. Mm-hmm. So like Guitar Hero, I think four was when they introduced the. The band element. Yeah, they did Guitar like Hero Rock or World something. Tour or something, and it had the band. Uh, yeah. And then, then they just started coming out with Guitar Hero Metallica, Aerosmith, Van Halen, you know, all those. And I bought pretty much all of them. I bought Guitar Hero on the DS with the little attachment, so you'd strum with your stylus. Yeah, that was super weird. Yeah, it sucked. It was mm-hmm. not very good. Um, <laughs> I, but I was all in on Guitar Hero. Um and that was super fun. I mean, we've we've played rock band into our now. It's just we've kind of gotten most of the mileage out of the instruments that we have that we can get. I mean, they still technically work, but it's like not as satisfying when you go to hit this awesome like drum part that you know you can nail and then the drum is the reason that it fails. Yeah. It's like, man, it, it really equipment fails on takes it. something out of the experience, but I mean, we've been playing when everything's a little mushy, too. Yeah, exactly. It's all just not quite there anymore. But we were playing it at like get togethers and parties and stuff probably up until a few years ago, relatively consistently. So those Mm -hmm. those games have lasted in our lives. Well, and I think I've played it in the last six months. That's true. Hopping on and playing just the guitar, doing the guitar stuff and playing that on my own. It's kind of like really sad karaoke if you just do the mic part by yourself in your room yeah i that doesn't translate as well as the the guitar stuff when we went to disney world uh at the end of september beginning of october they had at the resort we were staying at and they had a little arcade and they had a guitar hero arcade machine in there so i played a few dollars worth of that and it was like yeah this is not as good as the full, like the real game. The guitar is like really heavy and and weird because it's you know linked yeah, to the like machine a or console whatever. version. So I'm sure it's and uh, the set the set was weird. It was Guitar Hero three, but it didn't have all the characters and it didn't have like the same songs or all the songs. So it was like eh, I guess I'll play this because I played the um, they had a with, Within Temptation song on there I think, but it was not the one that I remember playing. Really? Yeah. So it was really, really bizarre. But yeah, it did kind of reignite the urge. Like I felt the urge. Maybe I'll just put Rock Band in and play some of the guitar stuff. It's like, man, I don't know. Like the guitars are just, the instruments are just a little long in the tooth. And I wish they would just release some updated instruments. But yeah, well, and the Rock Band guitars were always a little bit like softer and mushier than the Guitar Hero guitars were. They didn't click. Like that was some. Yeah, that was something I felt like the Guitar Hero guitars had over the rock band ones. Probably not from like an audience perspective, but from like a playing perspective, like you knew, okay, I've hit the strum. Like I've gone far enough and you had that like auditory feedback that you were getting it and kind of the hepatic of that like click, that snap rather than the softened kind of thing that that rock band had. 
yeah, Guitar Hero, they nailed the guitar way better than Rock Band. The 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 track is better, the notes are better, um, the the feel of the guitar is better. The thing they didn't nail, I mean the vocals are basically the same on both games. The drums I don't think were quite as good as Rock Band. They tried to throw in the cymbals, which were kind of fun, but they like they weren't significantly worse. I just think Rock Band was a little better. But mm-hmm. They just failed at everything else around the game. Like Rock Band just was so much better at customization and presentation and DLC and coming out with new games. They got better songs. Yeah, better songs. And then when Rock Band, when they had their revival and Rock Band 4 and Guitar Hero Live, I think, came out, like nobody played Guitar Hero because the way they just structured the game was stupid. And then they redid the guitar so that instead of five buttons in a row, it was six buttons, three on three stacked, or maybe it was eight buttons stacked to try to like replicate chords a little bit more. But what that also meant was that you had to buy a new guitar. So, you know, just nobody, whereas Rockman was like, Hey, we're going to release new instruments, but if you have your old ones, plug them in, they'll work. So, Mm Yeah. Why wouldn't you go with that? I there is a small glimmer of hope that now that Xbox has purchased Activision, maybe they'll do something with the Guitar Hero property. But I'd be surprised. Smallest glimmer of hope. Yeah. Of like, well, someone else owns the IP, so maybe. Yeah. Somebody who wants more games and a wider variety of games. I feel like than what. Activision themselves want. They're like, if we can just be the Call of Duty studio, that's fine. So, or publisher. Well, and they do have kind of the edge up in terms of Game Pass and access to Game Pass. They could make the game free to play. You just have to get an instrument. Yeah, it would essentially be free to play, which would be nice. And depending on the, they just release new songs or I, I don't know. They just don't need to overthink it because that's what they try to do with the last guitar hero that nobody even really remembers happened except for me and DJ hero. Yeah, I would have, I missed DJ hero, but I wish I would have tried it. That seems more a Braden's alley though. That drop mix. It was so funny about like the drop mix. Is it exposed me to an Ed Sheeran song that I truly like never heard of? Cause like I don't, I liked his divide album. And then after that, I kind of like tuned out. <laughs> so when Delaney and I went to that Ed Sheeran concert and he played that song that is from the drop mix card, I was like, Oh, Hey, it's <laughs> the song that's on drop mix. Why is this why I know this wildly popular song? That's the only way I would know it too, but I, you don't listen to Ed Sheeran. fan of Ed Sheeran. No, or so. Ed Sheeran like music. Yeah, just not really my vibe. But if I can mix it up with Disturbed, then, you know, we got ourselves a good time. (laughs) Whoa, sing. You always hated that. So that was like, oh, yes, I have the Ed Sheeran card. I'm going to play that. (laughs) Because the urge to annoy your sibling never goes away. No. And uh, kind of the last game that I'll throw out there that was at the tail end of all this was World of Warcraft. Yes. I thought about that at the beginning of this episode and had forgotten. We all got into World of Warcraft. Um, 
despite my husband currently playing it right now. <laughs> yeah, well, he's he's a dork. <laughs> you know, we can't help him. <laughs> uh, Dylan was playing it one day when I went over to his house and I was like, huh, what is this? It's interesting. And he's like, yeah, it's like online. These are all other people. And I was like, wow, that's really cool. So we could play that together. He's like, yeah, all you have to do is just pay them $15 a month. I'm like, oh, okay. So I went home and, and I, I downloaded like the expansion it. pack. Didn't you have to Costed buy the expansion money? Yeah, you had to buy the big expansions too. You still do. Um, but it was right before Lich King released. And so I remember it being Halloween of that year when I finally got into the game. You know, you play the patch game first. I finally got in and like everybody's running around doing their Halloween stuff. And I was just like, wow, this is crazy. It's like this whole world that we're all playing in together. And mm -hmm. then my dad saw what it was. And then like you saw what it was. And then before you know it, the whole family is playing except for our mom. And uh, my brother is just like a super annoying 10 year old. And wow, like one of those people that just makes <laughs> you roll your eyes and cringe when they type something in guild chat. But um, yeah, we, I remember what it was a Thanksgiving, I think where all the like, Dylan and his family came over to our family's house for the Thanksgiving meal. And then all the parents went to go see like the newest James Bond movie or something. And all the kids just found whatever like computers they could in the house. And we all just played wow together in the same house for like <laughs> our first seven hours. <laughs> yeah, mm -hmm. it was, that was probably the first game where I experienced finishing a, a dungeon or whatever and like looking up and it being two in the morning and being like oh mm. damn i i should go to bed like i didn't Why realize did i do this like there were some games that that really hooked me and that i would stay up late playing or whatever but this was like you just kind of getting absorbed and lost with your friends and then all of a sudden time has just melted away yeah well and i had that feedback loop of oh one more thing one more thing one more thing one more thing let me go over here. Oh, what's this? Okay, well, let me finish. Let me follow this quest marker. And then, yeah, you're online. You're in, you know, you're in text chat or even like voice chat with like members of your guild who are in different parts of the country. And so it's not so late for them or they're like 30. And so it's not, you know, that huge of a deal or maybe a bigger deal than yeah. the homeschooled, you know, 17 year old staying up till two in the morning. Yeah, that was... I, that was a fascinating experience because like I'd I'd seen you play Call of Duty and I knew like I had you know I had my iPod touch at that point I'd gotten on social media I'd poke like started to like poke around in the internet and the public forum and just everything that all of being a teenager online in 2009 was but yeah that was like one of the first times I experienced the whole like just weirdos which <laughs> yeah. seems crazy to say being in like a christian homeschool organization but like they weren't all that weird to me i was used to them but like having to deal with a total stranger being like are you a girl in real life <laughs> no loser like <laughs> what are you what are you gonna do if i am what's your plan you're just gonna follow me around like so He's going to tell all his friends at school that he has a girlfriend. 
I talked to a girl in World of Warcraft last night. No, you didn't, nerd. That was the man <laughs> pretending to be a woman. But that also, that was pretty formative because as I was making my character and choosing the name for it, I was really into a book series. And so I tried to name my character after the protagonist in this book series. But the protagonist's name was Becca. Ah. So that was taken in World of Warcraft by the time I got around to it. (laughs) So I named my character after her mom, which was Illini. Uh, I-L-O-N-Y, and Illini Cooper has been my screen name on so many things ever since then. And that was like making my little warlock was that moment where... I've always said Alani. Yeah, Alani, Illini. I I actually have no idea how it's pronounced. I should check the book and see if there's a pronunciation guide in the glossary, because she usually does those in her books, but... Yeah, that was And every everybody when they would like directly address me would do capital L L O N Y. Yeah, Lalani. Lalani. And it's like you can't do a lowercase letter at the start of your username, I don't think. Uh I have no idea. That was similar for me though, where I was I did Sinister V and the V was for vengeance because I combined the two guitarists for Avenge Sevenfold mm-hmm. to make my name. And so then when I made um when I made my Xbox live account at Dylan's house on his Xbox, mm-hmm. I was like, I'll just be sinister Tom. Cause you know, Tom is my nickname. And then when I bought my own Xbox, they were like, Hey, we see you have an account already linked to your Microsoft account or whatever linked to your email. Do you want to just pull all that stuff over? And I was like, uh, I guess, yeah, I guess I'll do that. And so this dumb name that I wrote on his mm-hmm. Xbox just kind of has followed me around ever since and has become yeah. my like my user. It's never taken. Nobody else no, out there is either. sinister Tom with with Ys. So Yep. Nobody nobody ever takes Illini. Aubrey, pretty typically taken. Oh uh, yeah. I mean it's not the most common name, but it's still a real name. It's out so there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Formative and in ways that you wouldn't really expect. And also that was right around when like mom was starting to like, okay, here's this online like typing resource. You need to learn how to type because that's a skill that you should have. And like (laughs) I've had coworkers, especially like Gen X and above where like I'll be typing out like notes at work and they're like, oh, you type so fast. Like, oh my gosh, like I never learned to type or they didn't teach it or whatever. And I was like, I... I learned playing World of Warcraft. Yeah, I I also that's how I learned to type. <laughs> I also learned how to type, or like got more efficient at typing with WoW. Which, when you actually learn to type, there's like hand placement, and like you can move, you can like reach everything just by moving a few fingers, and like there's a there's mm-hmm. a method to how they teach it. I didn't learn any of that. I just learned how to. Sp- Bam out something I needed to write really quick before the conversation moved on or whatever, like in guilt mm-hmm. chat. So yeah, that was the other side of wow for me. That was like, it was the social aspect of just like hanging out with the guildies, just even doing stuff in like the town chat or like the area chat where somebody would be like, Hey, I need help with this over here. Is any, can anybody hear me? Whatever. And be like, yeah, I'll come over there and help you kill these things. And like that part of the game was really cool. And that part of the game just kind of like died. 
it doesn't really exist yeah. anymore. So even after Lich King, it was I could kind of just feel like not only did a lot of our people kind of move on in like in our guild and stuff, but also the game just started moving towards like a lot more looking for group and looking for guild and like these kind of matchmaking things, which makes sense in a modern game for like the solo experience or or whatever, just the, the respecting your time a little bit more. But it definitely took away from that social aspect that made the game so interesting to me when I played it back in the day, which now like there's no way I could play that game. I have I would not have the time to sit there and try to co- pull together a party of strangers to go run a dungeon or whatever. But at the time, it was really fun and unique. No, now you have to go to like kind of third party stuff. And I'm not going to like speak for Joe, but he's in like a Death Knight Discord and he's even like a moderator. Ooh. He's I know. <laughs> like it's this whole like it's the whole this the social stuff all happens on Discord now and your yes. guild is on Discord and like like he'll code plugins and all that kind of stuff. And so there's like a depth to it that you can't achieve just in game anymore. Right. And so that's yeah. all moved off game. I feel like as someone who hasn't played the game in a very long time. Uh but yeah, for me it was max out my character and then the cataclysm expansion happened. <laughs> I was like, you've changed everything. I hate this. Yep. Cataclysm was where a lot of people fell off and then pandas and yeah beyond that i have yeah. no idea what happened in the game <laughs> like i can't i didn't do whichever one which maybe it was cataclysm did the whole like your base and recruiting no and, that was later i think was that before or after pandaria i feel like that was before pandaria really i thought it was after i like i said no idea oh I, I came back for mists and i did literally every quest except for the ones that make you group up and join a dungeon <laughs> because I like I like the little storylines and the plot and the, you know, as bizarre and sparse and convoluted as it was. And I remember having a quest where I had to go through a dungeon. And so I was like, you're a grown up. <laughs> Get like and they even had like a looking for group feature by then. Like you didn't even have to do like in general chat. And so I did the looking for group and I joined the group and some guy was all like friendly and chatty or whatever when he realized I was a real girl. And then as soon as I wasn't a warlock, it was like, all right, warlock, drop this buff. And I'm like, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> like, I, what buff? What do you mean? I'm here. I'm doing damage. Like, what What do you want? I do like, what? And then as soon as I was not efficient in that dungeon at all, he got mean. And I was like, I'm out. I'm out. That's enough. <laughs> Yeah, that was the problem with those like looking for systems is you just get paired up with strangers and a lot of them are either tryhards or whatever. Like dad had the same experience, but dad would always try to like run a tank or something where you're like you're oh, that's a big responsibility. Role is actually DPS. essential. Yeah. And yeah. so then it'd be like his reaction time was too slow or he didn't like wasn't playing a meta build or whatever and he's like Mm -hmm. everybody's a dick in these chats yeah so yeah (laughs) but i also i mean that was my problem too is like i didn't like pairing up with strangers 
Yeah, didn't love the stranger aspect. Not super into the whole like min-maxing thing. Like I want to grab what looks interesting and what I want to use with my character. And that's not the most efficient build or I didn't, you know, spec into this, that or the other thing. What the final nail in the coffin was logging back on after a patch. And I was like, okay, well, let me let me actually look up like a spec tree and respec like this and do whatever. And I took a trait that like upgraded all of my demon minion summons and it changed them. And so then I went from my little demon guy is named Jack Tall and he looks like this to a little guy demon guy with a different name and he looks different. And like my big blue spirit thing that was my tank when I would quest got changed into like a more jacked up with armor and a different name. <laughs> and like my like my succubus, like it all changed. It was different. I was like, so not only is my guild all fallen off, but now even my minions are different. Like I'm I'm out. Yeah, the server we played on during Wrath, where like you would sometimes have to wait in a queue to get in the game, was so low on population. At one point, they merged it with another server to try to keep it alive. Yeah, yep. That was a. It was an era that I enjoyed, and I don't think will ever experience again. And I no. think I'm okay with that. I'm it was fun, but yeah. we've moved on. Uh is there anything else that we missed that you want to mention or shout out before we close this thing down? No, I feel like with the distinction, like there's plenty from like our teenage years when we got into the more yeah, multiplayer aspect and playing stuff, but that's not quite like games from our childhood. So no, I feel like that's that's most everything. Yeah. And obviously, I mean, these are kind of like the highlights. We played a lot more games than this, but it was, uh, these are the ones that when making a list quickly jumped out at me and jumped out at us. DuckTales. <laughs> DuckTales yeah, on the Game Boy. We did have, yeah, it was a good game. We had a Wario game. I had a Barbie game. There were a lot of weird games in the Game Boy era. I had like a Wolverine game, a Spider-Man game. Wolverine was Advance, was Game Boy Advance. These were yeah. like Game Boy Color games. Yeah, I had a Looney Tunes Game Boy Color game. That was like my first game I ever played. We were getting ready to drive from New Mexico to Washington State, and Mom was like, here you kids go. Here's your present for this trip, this long drive, and it was Game Boy Colors. And the, I think the only game I had was that Looney Tunes game. Oh, I had an God. Indiana Jones game for game boy i think that i remember that like never getting familiar. past like level two and i think a crash bandicoot game that may have or been maybe advanced. that was on the advance yeah yeah my crash yeah, bandicoot experience game. is through handhelds i never really played like the mainline games because i didn't have playstation until i was older yep nice well there you go you got a little bit of a peek into our childhoods and the games that made us the gamers we are today <laughs> for better and for worse yeah so uh yeah that's that's all we've got for this topic a little bit of housekeeping as we close this episode down um we would greatly appreciate you checking out our youtube channel we have quick reviews over there we have some topics some rankings a lot of fun Fun stuff going on. It's a lot more bite-sized short-form content. I think our most recent video that went up this week as of the time of recording is a another um, kind of Destiny 2 guide from Dylan kind of breaking down some of the, the minutia of how to actually get into that game because it's so massive and 
fractured and so hard to like get into if you have not been growing with it. Uh, so if that sounds interesting to you, check that out. Uh, I recently did a video recommending some of my, or I guess some of the games on Game Pass that I would recommend if you haven't played them yet or if you're new to Game Pass or whatever. So we have a, a variety of content, but the difference between the that and the podcast is that it's all kind of quick, bite-sized, scripted, a lot more to the point. As far as the pod, as far as the podcast goes, we're getting close to the end of the year, so we're going to be doing our game of the year list and our game awards episode. Our hundredth episode is right around the corner. I'm still, Ooh. I'm still kicking around ideas for what I want to do for that. So we'll see what that ends up being. But I could definitely see there Another being music some episode. There may be some guests that that come back. Uh, I don't know. Maybe just do like a big game, game night kind of episode, or maybe do that could be fun. Some sort of more silly, casual kind of episode. But I haven't, I haven't decided what it'll be. It'll, it'll either, it'll be a celebration of some sort. But that's coming up fast, actually. So I need to need to figure that out. Um, but then we also have <laughs> even sooner than that is. Uh, we're planning to collaborate with the guys over at the Wait For It podcast to do a Spider-Man 2 kind of crossover episode. So we haven't fully nailed down how that will be structured yet, uh, if it'll be released across both feeds or if we'll split up the topic or conversation somehow to where you get like a a different angle on the conversation depending on you know which which episode you listen to we're still working on how we want to structure that but that'll be a good time so definitely be looking forward to that and then the last thing i'll plug is join our discord if you haven't yet the link is in the podcast description it's a great place to come and hang out uh, we <laughs> talked about how communities are moving outside the games well that's our community is on discord we are on <laughs> social media we're on the app formerly known as Twitter and Instagram and TikTok. And we do, we do stuff there and you're more than welcome to follow us there. But if you actually want to kind of get into the community, engage, chat with us, chat with other people that have been on the podcast or that have, have joined, that's the place to do it. We would love to have you. With all that being said, Aubrey, I appreciate you hopping on and chatting about games with me this week. I've had a good time. Hopefully you have as well. I have. And as you know, always, I'm happy to come on anytime. Excellent. And uh, thank you all so much for listening. We really appreciate it. And we will catch you on the next one. We hope you enjoyed listening to this episode of the Friendly Neighborhood Gamers podcast. If so, we would greatly appreciate your help in growing the show and the community by giving us a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts Spotify, and any other podcasting app that allows it. We also have some great videos on our YouTube channel, including reviews, rankings, and other topics. We would really appreciate you checking it out. And if you want to keep up with everything going on in the neighborhood, follow us on Instagram and Twitter, and feel free to jump in our Discord server. We hope to see you there. Links for everything are in the podcast description. Thanks again for listening, and remember, stay, stay friendly, friendly, gamers. gamers.